It's not so much that Beth decides to play with old people. She does play with an older gentleman at the end of the Queen's Gambit. Uh But it's sort of like returning to her roots because she's not playing for money or admiration of the media. She's Mm. just doing it to play the game that she loves. She's just playing for fun. Yes. Yes. You and I Mm -hmm. just finished watching The Queen's Gambit, which I had seen before and was very excited to show you. Yeah, it was really good. This might be kind of weird because we literally just finished it. Yeah. How did you feel about the ending? Um, And the way they wrapped up. It was really good. Yeah. It was really good because instead of going for her to go to that dinner, we don't even know if she ends up going to that dinner or going to play the, the president at the White House at the time. We just know that she went to the uh, the people in the park and played chess with that older gentleman. Would you like to give a description of the last four episodes? No. I think you should do it. I'm going to give a very quick overview because I want everybody to watch this. Mm-hmm. In episode four, I believe, she's kind of becoming a star already. And ends up going to Mexico with her adopted mother, Mrs. Wheatley, mm-hmm. who has been pen pals with the sky over there. Manuel. Manuel. <laughs> Mrs. Wheatley is partying with Manuel most of the time, while Beth is really concentrated on the game. Finally, Mrs. Wheatley convinces Beth to join them for an afternoon out. Mm-hmm. Beth leaves early. We find out that Manuel is not going to continue seeing Mrs. Wheatley. Beth continues playing the game. And one night, she realizes, after explaining a few things about chess to Mrs. Wheatley, that she hasn't been listening. Right. So she goes over and finds out that she died. With her eyes open. Yes. Calls Mr. Wheatley He says, well, if you take care of the details and continue paying the mortgage, I'll let you keep the house. That's exactly what he said. Right, right. She comes back, ends up having more competitions. Basically, it's the episode is about her getting her life together, kind of, Mm -hmm. for the moment. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the next episode. She goes to play at this competition in Cincinnati, and we see Benny, the yep. guy with the hat. The one that uh, he, uh, actually uh, he beat her. Right, at this competition at yes. the end of the episode. Yeah. But they're going back and forth, and he also beat her a lot when they were doing the speed chess mm-hmm. in one scene, mm-hmm. which is a really uh, fun part of the episode. Yeah, it sounds very hard to do. But then, no, no, didn't he end up, she, he beat her in, in episode four. Yes. In episode five at the Cincinnati thing, she ended up beating him at the end. Because yes. remember, they're talking about it at the bar afterwards. Right, yes, yes. Benny says to her, listen, you should really prepare for Paris. Instead of going back to Kentucky, why don't we drive back to my place in New York and we can play chess all the time. I'll teach you what I know. And and remember, and this is uh yeah yeah that's right yeah he, yeah and then I'm skipping wait. I'm skipping ahead a little yeah bit. because not, yeah yeah so when Beth first gets back to her house, uh, Harry, the awkward person who she competed <laughs> with earlier in the series, yep. calls and says, 
I know you're doing incredible things, and I would really like to teach you what I know. Mm-hmm. He kind of moves into the place for a little while. A little bit, yeah. That was kind of that was kind of an interesting time. They start a very awkward relationship. Very awkward. What did you think of this? I don't know if that was necessary. Um, I just thought that they wouldn't have made a good match <laughs> because, you know, he's a nice guy, but he's kind of, you know, doesn't seem like he knows how to talk to women. He means well, though. He means well. I think he genuinely cares about her, um, but I don't think he he's, like, really interested in her. I think he just cares about her well-being. Yes. And and he she's not interested in him either. Yes, uh, but she, they do have sex, and which is a really cool scene because afterwards she's just trying to read this book, and he says, uh, should I go back to my room or stay here? <laughs> Beth is just like, uh, whatever you want to do, bro. Yeah. He gets up and goes back to his room. <laughs> Very weird. Alana, mm-hmm. in episode six, mm-hmm. it starts off with Beth and Benny driving back to his place in New York. New York. Yep. He kind of lives in this basement. They're playing chess a lot, talking about different people who have mastered the game. He meet, She meets his friends. Before then. Before then. Benny has them reenact famous games. And he says, right. the reason you want to do that is so you get the feeling of what it's like to win or lose in these positions. Yep. Uh, very interesting. Yes. And then his friends come over. Yes. Two guys who play chess and this French model. Cleo. Yes. Benny is talking with his friends while Cleo and Beth make some food and are kind of discussing life. Then Beth and the guys play speed chess. Mm -hmm. She's playing against all three of them for money. Mm -hmm. And she wins every game. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes home. Beth ends up in Paris after her and Benny sleep together. Of course. And I love their interaction after sex. Yeah, because uh, doesn't doesn't she? Um, yeah, yeah, I I remember that. Because yeah. Benny's talking about the game of chess, and she's like, "Are you seriously? Is this what you're really thinking about right now?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's doing well in Paris. Until Miss Cleo shows up. Yeah, Miss Cleo. Not the psychic. Not the not the fraudulent psychic, yeah. They party. And then we get to where the series started in Paris in 1967. She's in the bathtub. The guy from the hotel next on the door saying, basically, you're late. Yeah. I told you earlier that there was a man in her bed, but we didn't know who it was. Because I wanted to keep you guessing. It was really Cleo in the bed. And from the audience perspective, when you're watching the first episode, it does look like there's a guy in her bed because of the way they shot it. Okay. She goes down to play and ends up losing. Mm -hmm. Flies back to Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. And gets in, um, um, gets a, she gets in the door and. A lawyer calls. And her lawyer calls, yes. Basically saying. Mr. Wheatley wants you uh, to leave the place. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll let you stay for a little while, but the plan was never for you to just live here. They show up at her house, both the lawyer and Mr. Wheatley. It's pretty obvious that Mr. Wheatley never wanted to adopt this girl. 
and mm-hmm. she's trying to get him to look at her and she said and he says well no i want you out of the house i don't care about you you're not my daughter um alma mrs wheatley um wanted to adopt you um but i didn't and i was trying to figure out a way to shut her up didn't work didn't work and she asked him have you ever heard her play really heard her play and he says no he basically calls her pathetic and she said, well, actually, Ms. she was stuck. There's she was stuck. There's a difference between being stuck and being pathetic. And I'm looking at pathetic. So she offers to buy the house for $7,000. She said she'll give him the money and, and she'll even show and she even has receipts. What she says is she'll pay she the money for the house, pay the money for that. but she's going to subtract what it took to get Mrs. Wheatley back to the States and right. buried. And she'll okay, show him yeah. the receipts. And she used that line because. A few minutes earlier, he had said, I know you think this house is worth five, but it's actually, uh, the value is more like 7000 And I'll show yeah. you the receipt. So right, that right, was her response. Right. right, exactly, yeah. So she gets them out of the place and just begins escalating her drinking and pill use. Yeah, she um, she she drinks in excess. Um, Harry is worried about her, gets to her house and tries to... Um, call her to open the door um that's not working uh benny benny is is upset with her too eventually she gets a call about a chess tournament that she completely spaced on yep that was at a high school she is supposed to go the next day yep she's kind of rude to the guy on the phone he wants her to show up an hour early at nine yep to deal with press, she says that's only going to take a half hour and throws down the phone. Yep. Okay, so the next day she goes there, walks in, is rude to the guy, asking for pills. Mm-hmm. He goes off, and the lady who played Beth in her first professional tournament yep. comes up and is trying to say, oh, you're such an inspiration to me. I came to see you. I'm so glad, you know, you're doing what you're doing. Beth yeah. is kind of zoned out, yeah. not really sober. She walks, she walks out to smoke and sees Harry, who basically says, I'm worried about you. Mm-hmm. I might be working at the supermarket where you come, but they're good people there. It's a good, it's a, they pay me good money. Yeah, I'm not doing chess anymore, but I'm, are do, nice. I'm doing all right for myself. Yeah. And I know what it's like to be around an alcoholic because my dad was one. And you smell like how he did and mm-hmm. all that. And so he was genuinely worried about her. He leaves. We get the sense that Beth did not do too well at the tournament. No. She comes home, lays down, and then somebody knocks on the door. And who could it be but Miss Jolene from the school? I will tell you, you thought it was Benny at yes, first. Yes, I did. Which I was also assuming. Yes. Because that would have been the easy way to go. That would have been. But yeah. it was Jolene. That's the end of episode six. Yeah. Seven starts. And we basically discover that Mr. Scheibold. Mr. Scheibold dies. Scheibold, the guy who taught her how to play chess in the first place. Yep. Jolene is there. They're hanging out in the bathroom like girls do. Beth leaves and Jolene finds out that Beth has been taking pills because she sees the cabinet. And Elijah, and she's been drinking mm-hmm. a lot. And They talk about life. Mm-hmm. We learn more about Jolene, that she got a 
athlete scholarship, but then started studying history. And then she started, and then she realized that she was even more mad, so she became a paralegal. paralegal. But she wants to become an attorney at some point. Yeah, a radical one. Which is good. I like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm sure you do. Well, what ifs? Jolene drives Beth to the trailer where Beth and her mother were staying before the accident. And we don't really learn a whole lot about how her mom got to be where she was, but we do discover that Beth's mom came from money. Right. Yeah. And I kind of like that they left it up in the air so we don't, you know, have a full understanding about the falling out with a rich family. But... We then go to the orphanage. So wait, she came from money, but then she lived in a trailer. Yeah. But we're not told why. Okay. So I'm assuming that her mom was like... How? Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused now. I was trying to tell you, but you interrupted me. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. All right. You were about to ask how does she get to that situation? Yeah, because she grew... Because how did we find out that her mom uh, actually came from money, but she... Because Beth told that Mm -hmm. to Jolene. Right, right. Right. And I'm assuming that her mom was the black sheep of the family. Ah. Yes. It's right to go to pay attention, okay? I missed that part. Okay. So we go back to the orphanage. Beth doesn't want to go inside. Jolene and her end up going to the services. Then Beth goes back to the orphanage, steals a picture of herself, comes out and starts crying. Mm -hmm. Then, my J-Lo... (laughs) <laughs> we get to the scene with the church people. Yeah. Basically, yeah, this Christian organization was going to sponsor Beth to go and play in Russia. And they wanted her to come out with a statement. Against communism. Yeah. This is why Beth, in my opinion, is a badass bitch. And I mean that in the best way. Okay. Because... They say, well, we've invested a lot of money in you. And what well, is I didn't think I didn't think it was a good idea for her to sign with them anyway. Right. But she did. And, and and she didn't and and they weren't going to pay for any of it. They weren't. The, I mean, I mean, no. But didn't she say the tickets were not paid for? They weren't paid for yet. But you got to remember, they sponsored her to go to San Francisco to play in a tournament as like a kind of a warm up match. And they're telling her, you know, we've already put all this money into you. Yeah. Beth, instead of just like taking it, mm-hmm. writes them a check. Right. And tells them to you know kick rocks, mm-hmm. which maybe not the best thing to do in your job but it's ah well she shouldn't have signed with them in the first place but she did but she did and remember she got that advice from benny and and then and then when when she told benny about it he's like are you insane you're insane yes the state department doesn't want her want to help her out Mm -hmm. but they want to send somebody to watch over her Mm -hmm. jolene has been saving up gives her the money she goes to russia Plays a lot of matches, ends up winning. The last scene, she's driving with a dude from the State Department, has a car pull over, walks out, goes into this park where people are playing, and everybody gets up. It's like, oh, Beth Harmon is here. Mm-hmm. She sits down next to this old guy, chessboard is out, and she says, let's play <laughs> in Russian. Yes. I think this is a brilliant show. It is very good. Would you recommend this to anybody? I would, at their own discretion, because there are some disturbing things in there. But um, but the storyline, very good. 
any family members that you would to um watch it? I don't know maybe maybe some people might like it I don't know oh it's possible I wouldn't recommend it to any of the younger um kids in my family but for sure um my mom might like it what is Mr. Wheatley tell us about fighting for what you want? Mm. You know, I never thought of that. I just knew that he was just as cold as I thought he was in the beginning of the show. And um, he was the one that was making all the money in, in the between the two of them. Him and Mrs. Wheatley. Correct. Okay. Um, okay, so what do you think about that? I want to know what you think first. I think he's very good at advocating for himself at the expense of others. At the expense of others. He doesn't care what happens to Beth or anybody else, mm-hmm. just as long as he gets what he wants. Exactly. And I think he is a, a sign of outward success and inward failure. Absolutely. We know that this dude makes a ton of money, can get the women, but he seems to me to be very unhappy and he doesn't know how to fix it. He doesn't know how to be happy without the money. In some ways, he's the character who's most like Beth. Hmm. When you think about it, right? Yeah. They, even, even when she was first starting out. Well, think about it. They they both bought the same house. Mm-hmm. They both were close to Mrs. Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Beth becomes a super successful person. We don't know what Mr. Wheatley does for a living, but we understand that he gets paid very, very well for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Mr. Wheatley breaks people's hearts, yep. as does Beth with Harry. Right. Right? Who And Harry is, in a way, like Mrs. Wheatley. That's true, he's yeah. He's kind of stuck. Weird, weird, but he's a good person. Right. He just doesn't know how to achieve on the same level that Beth does. Because if you remember when he's about to move out, Mm -hmm. he says to her, I don't love chess like you do. Mm -hmm. And I needed you to help me show, show me that. Yeah. So he can't really move past this mental block Mm -hmm. until he meets Beth. Right. Who also kind of helps Mrs. Wheatley because when Mrs. Wheatley meets her, Mm -hmm. Her life is in shambles. Mm-hmm. She can't play instruments in public. Right. She has nothing going on for herself. But Beth gives her a life. Yeah. But Beth then, can only take her so far, well, just like then, Harry. And then Mrs. Wheatley also taught Beth that chess shouldn't be everything. I don't think she really taught her that. You don't? I think Mrs. Well, I mean, she was trying to explain to her that. I don't know if she... She gave a nice speech because she wanted to hang out with her for the afternoon. Right. But if you remember... My dear, earlier in that episode, Beth was partying with this student she met in Russian night class. Yes, yes. So she already kind of knew that. Yes, yes. Mrs. Lee Wheatley just gave a nice speech. But then she had she had a lot of issues herself. Yes, like Harry does. Yes. So I that's why the two characters in my mind are kind of similar mm-hmm. in some ways. I think Beth is more caring, though. She is more caring, yes. Yeah. But that also is because she's a kid and maybe hasn't had decades of just being screwed over by people. Only a decade and a half. 
A decade and a half. It's still a long time. Yes. A decade is still long. Yes, babes. Yeah. Any more thoughts on Mr. Wheatley? No, uh, I didn't like the character, but um, interesting. Yeah. Does, or let me, let me think of how I want to phrase this. What does Benny teach us about following the rules? Mm. Benny, Benny, Benny. Yeah. I, I like what, remember when he was, um, him and his friends were reenacting, uh, famous games yes. that people have won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, he seems like a very well-rounded person. Like he really knows the game and that's, that has, um, contributed to his own success. And the fact that he is willing to give, um, give his time to her and say, I want, I want to teach you what I know. And I want you to pay attention to these games because you're going to need it when you're playing Borgoff. Right. But what do we learn about following the rules through Benny? Hmm. Sorry, I can't think of an answer right now. Okay. In my opinion, Benny, when we first meet him, is playing the role of the outlaw, mm-hmm. right? He goes to these chess tournaments dressed in this, like, really interesting getup of a hat, a black coat. He carries a knife with him all the time. Oh. But, and he likes to party. We know that. Mm-hmm. But when we dig deeper... He's more traditional when it comes to studying the game. Right. He breaks rules, but he learned how to follow them mm-hmm. before then, right? Right. It's, it's, there's an old saying that I'm going to butcher, but it's something like you can break the rules just as long as you know which ones to follow. Uh-huh. And Benny to me fits that mold. He, if he had to, he could dress up conservatively and just be a chess player uh-huh. because he, the foundation is there. Right, right. Beth is an intuitive, and that's great, and she knows a lot of fundamental stuff, but her foundation is weaker it's than not Benny's. Solid. Yes, yeah. Benny's is solid. solid. Okay, I see what you mean. He can color outside the lines because he's already mastered coloring within them. Interesting. I never thought of it that way. Because remember, the the similarity that he has with Harry is they both study chess. They read all these books. And it's not that Beth doesn't. Yeah. But she's lazy about it. She tells Benny at one point, I don't read the footnotes. They're boring. Yeah. And she said, well, I think you should start. Yeah. And Benny's like, oh, yeah, this guy is boring, but I still read the footnotes. Right, 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 right. Because he's still a student at the end of the day. Right. Even if he tries to be... curmudgeoned about it. Right, right, right. He'll still do the homework. Right, but that that's good because that has contributed to his own success. Mm-hmm. And you, you, I think it's, and I told you about, and, and I, and I remember I was, I was saying to you just a few minutes ago about studying, um, uh, flute techniques. Yes. Um, because yeah, it's great to learn from an actual instructor, but I want to learn it for myself. Because I have never read a book on straight uh, <clears throat> flute techniques, traditional or otherwise um, unconventional. And it would be really good for me to learn for myself anyway. Flute, pedag- flute pedagogy. 
is um, is something I've been meaning to read. Nice. Yeah, it's so important. Yes. Benny is the student babe who mouths off at the teacher and maybe puts a few four-letter words in his homework but delivers his homework on time. Right. And is so good that the teacher can't ignore it. It's like, well, I mean, you did these things, but you always get your homework in on time, and I know you study. I knew people like Benny growing up. Okay. It wasn't me. Okay. I could mouth off I didn't think in it my was, own head. And I didn't think it was you. No. <laughs> but broke ben, a lot of rules. Benny's <laughs> like me if I studied. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Yes. But you want to study more flute. Yes, I do. I mean, while I can't uh, have, uh, you know, take flute lessons from anyone in person, I might as well put it to good use and and read as many flute books as I can find. Do you relate to Beth's obsession with chess? Mm, not as much as she is. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if... That's a good question. You mean like if she's constantly thinking about it? Yeah. And, um, I haven't gotten to that point because I had other interests besides that. But but when I was studying it, I was studying it um, and I was very concentrated on it. But it wasn't the only thing I was thinking about. See, this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. As you know, I spent my 20s obsessed with spoken word poetry. Mm-hmm. And when Benny is talking about, yeah, study this, I'm kind of like, he's absolutely right. And you said, well, have you ever read any books on slam poetry? Mm-hmm. And I basically read – I mean, there, there's probably some that have come out now, but I, I – I've read like the ma- major titles in, in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because you do have to have that foundation. Yeah. And I was obsessed with it on that level where I would go to bed thinking about it, wake up in the morning and there'd be sometimes where it would be weeks of waking up writing until I either had to use the bathroom or get, grab something to eat and then continue writing until I f- fell asleep. Uh-huh. But it doesn't sound like you had that same. I don't. Dedication so I had the drive. I definitely had the drive, mm-hmm. but I wasn't to the point to where that's all I could. I, I thought about it a lot. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I never, I never, um, was ever unfocused because when I was in it, I was in it. I was in it. I was, um, I was focused on it, but I, I wasn't to the point to where that's, that, that's, that was consuming me. If that makes any sense. I suppose I could have been a little more excessive, but I've never gotten to the point to where Beth was, you know, where where I was constantly dreaming about it. Or maybe I would dream about it, but it wasn't like every single night. Do you think that you need to either be like Beth or Benny to be a success in the um, arts? In some ways, yes. Because, like... For one thing, um, there's so many things I could improve on. And, um, when you were talking about the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about Beth's foundation, I could certainly improve on that. And also learning more about technique and, um, to improve my own craft. Here's a major difference between Benny and Harry. Mm hmm. Harry could teach a grandmaster. Benny could become one. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Like, Harry's really good, and he has a great foundation, but he no longer has the drive that Benny still has. Yes, I believe I still have that drive. Mm. When was the last time you played? Uh, For somebody? No, just by yourself. Oh, well, I've kind of taken a break from it. See, I would make the argument that meant that that means that you don't have the drive. Because a person who does, they do it either every day or they're thinking about it every day. Like, a lot every day. So there would be times where I would go to parties and all I would think about is, how can I use this in a poem? Right, right, right. What I am I going to learn been, that's going to explain will. I will admit, though... There's been there's been some lapses where I'm just like I don't want to I don't want to think about it right now. I will admit that. Um that is why once this whole thing is over, and we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I really I I I really feel like um since last year's uh since last year has um been such a tough year. Um there were so there's so many things that I wanted to do um, with performing. I really was hoping to perform a lot more. I really was um, wanting to um, to get more into that as well as you have. Um, but I really think that after watching the Queen's Gambit, my next step is to really uh, read more books on my craft. Yeah. Because I really haven't. I mean, I really haven't had, I should have, what I should have done was I should have asked my, um, my former, when I was with those uh, teachers, well, what book should, what book should I read? Because I, I never, I, I, for some reason I never, I never did. Now that there are so many books to get and such an easy, such an easy, so, so, so many easy ways to get them. I would have no problem. And now that I have time to do that because I can't <clears throat> meet with a teacher in person right now, then why not? I agree. I think that you do need to be obsessed in some way. I think that Benny, out of all the characters on the show, probably has the best life balance when it comes to chess if, for somebody who's going to play that master level one day, right? Right. Like you could say that. Harry has a better balance, but he's not going to be the next Bobby Fisher. No, no. So, I, I, I certainly, I certainly want to, um, I certainly want to do that. Well, here becomes a question. Yes. And let's relate it to Benny versus Harry. And then mm-hmm. I want to see how that applies to your life. Yes. Who do you think would be happier in the long run? Yeah. Benny's having a cool experiences Cool experiences in his 20s. Mm-hmm. But is he going to become successful and become a burnout? True. And, because... and, and, and Harry's having a tough go of it now because he's trying to figure out where can chess fit in my life. And I still have to get a nine to five. Mm-hmm. But in his 30s, he could become a very successful teacher. Mm. So the question is, who would you rather be? You know, wow, that's a really profound question that I cannot answer right now. I, know, I have a definite answer for me. For you? Yes. Okay, who? I think I would rather be Benny. You think so? I don't think I am Benny, but I think I'd rather be him. Because even though he risks burning out, he also 
has friends and can be a little bit more of an outlaw even in the chess world. So even if he burns out younger, his life is going to be more interesting than Harry's, I think. Right, right, right. That's, I think that's true. Um, because Benny is taking, it seems like Benny is taking more risks with his, with his success and, and Larry, uh, Larry, why did you call him Larry? Harry just is like, well, I, do, I've been there, done that. I can do something else. Yeah. That doesn't have to require chess. But Benny is also somebody you can have a beer with. He might talk about the rook a little bit too much, but he can drink and just, you know, have a good time as well, I think. Right. He knows when to relax and when not to relax. To some extent. He still has some issues with it, as we saw during Because, I mean, I wonder, though, because I do wonder, though, if, you know, remember when Beth's mom said that men, some some people will settle for anything. Yeah. Some people will settle for anything just to be something. I think is what she said. I don't know is if it, it is something like that. And I, I, I never wanted to be that kind of a person that just wanted to settle. I think best mom was also crazy. Yeah. So who do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as being the flute teacher one day or being the flute master? Mm. That is a really good question. Hmm. Well, it is possible to be both. Um, that's a good question. No, but I mean, yeah. Benny's both because he can teach us. But that's he's, he's a teacher, but he's more than that. Right. right. And Harry is more than a teacher in the sense that he's a well-adjusted person or is going to be. But he's not more than that in the world of chess. Mm. He's just a teacher in that world. Yeah. So what do you think? Mm, I I have to I have to think more about that actually. Okay. I can't answer it. I've been I've been wondering that myself. Mm. Alana. Yes. What does Jolene teach us about <laughs> friendship? You know, I like what she says in one of the last scenes that she's in because she said I'm not your guardian angel. She tells Beth this because Beth, Beth regards her as her guardian angel. Because Jolene gave her the money right. she needed to go to the Soviet Union. She goes, I'm not your guardian angel. I'm not here to save you, but you needed me and I was, and I'm here. You needed, you, I'm here because you needed me and someday I'm going to need you. And we, we're here to help each other because that's what families do. That's how families are. And we're family. And we're family. Yeah. I love that scene. It's one of my favorite in the series. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of like what she said right before then, where she's like, you know, uh, Mr. Seifold wasn't the only one who was keeping track of you. Yeah, I was. I read the, you know, I read the papers. and I even spent my ice cream money on our field trips <laughs> buying pictures of chess magazines because it had your ugly picture on it. <laughs> That was great. But it but I mean and it's like it's like Jolene was there when Beth didn't you know, Beth didn't um know it. Know it. She was there behind the scenes even though she didn't know it. And she in and her life was when her life was falling apart. So what does the Queen's Gambit say about rooting for for somebody from afar? Mm.
no matter who, no matter what you do. Well, I don't know how to, how to phrase this. Let me put it uh, to you this way. Yeah. There are people I have known in the past who we don't talk anymore, mm-hmm. but I still want them to do well. And occasionally I, I have my ways of research. I'll find out what they're doing in life, not to interrupt it, but just to see how they are. And mm-hmm. if I hear they're doing well, I'll be like, oh, that's so good for them. And I'll take a couple minutes just to think to myself, I hope they do well at this. And it, at least on the surface, seems like they're having a really nice life. And I'll feel very happy for them. Right. And I think in that way, I'm like Jolene. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do anything like that? I do think about stuff like that. I do think about people like in my back in my way, 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 much, much younger past and think about how long past, babe, a long past. Well, it's not that long. I mean, it seems like it is. Well, depends on how, how far back I'm thinking about. But anyway, it doesn't doesn't matter. Um, you know, people that have really impacted me in one way or another and, I always wonder how they are, you know, are they successful or are they happy? Where are they living now? What's become of them? You know, um, but I'm, yeah, I I do think about that. And if I ever find out how they're doing and they're, if they're doing well, then I'll, I'll be very happy. So you do secretly check up on people then? I don't check up on them. I just, I have not, I don't have a way to check up on them right now. Okay. I mean, there is Google and other ways to find it. I guess them, me and Jolene are alone with that then. You're alone in, in that you actually actively check on people. Yeah. And right now, I I suppose I could do that. I just haven't. Cool. What do you think of Beth overall? Um, I think that she is very good at what she does. Very, very good at what she does from from the tender age of nine after she learned it from Mr. Scheibel. Um, I think she has some issues. Um, she doesn't know how to deal with with loss when she loses. When things don't go her way, she doesn't really have a way to do it to deal with it, but she medi- she self-medicates herself. Um, but I think in the end, after all that was done, after all that, we don't know if she continues on with her, you know, with her substance abuse, but even after all that was going on, she still had, she still had friends that were going to help her and be there for her. Even if her life was falling apart, she still had people that cared about her. We know that Bobby Fisher mm-hmm. basically burned himself out and went insane. Yeah. Right? He spent the last years of his life calling radio stations in Iceland, I believe, and giving all these anti-Semitic rants. Whoa. Yep. But he was also Jewish. Wow. Um, so he had some mental health problems that take, took him out of the game for a long, long time. I know we don't know what happens with Beth, but it's kind of foreshadowed in, in, in several places. Like Harry, when he leaves, he says something like, 
you might burn out by the time you're 22. He compares her to somebody else. I forgot who it was. And says, this person would have so much fun and they go drinking the night before and then play great. And then by the time they were 22, they were finished. And they never continue on. And I think that's going to be you. Right. The show only goes up to the time when Beth is 20. Yeah. Does she burn out? Do we, Um, are we ending on her last high note in life? I don't know. It could go either way because when she plays with that, she plays chess with that older guy. She is just playing for fun because they were playing in the park. Maybe she does get out of that life for a little bit. And she says, you know what? I've won my biggest match ever and I'm going to take a break and do something else. She Maybe she does that. Maybe she reevaluates where her life is going and she decides to continue on. I don't know. Maybe she dies of an alcohol overdose or a, or a, uh, a pill overdose. In my mind, mm-hmm. I love the way the show ends, but I also think we're watching her last bout of greatness. Mm. This is before the fall mm-hmm. because now she's going to come back to the U.S., She's going to have access to money and more fame. And I think it's going to lead to a tragic ending for her. Mm, Really? Yes. Yes. But that's just my theory. Yes. Yes. But the, the, the thing that I don't want to happen ever, I hope this never happens to me, is, uh, is ever uh I do not want to get burned out because as I told you I almost did. Yes. And I could have but I I didn't let that happen. But babe, you got to keep playing if you're going to get burned out. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> not the comment. I just wanted to make my comment. Okay, babe. I'm just saying. I totally get it. You know, I don't right now I don't think you have to worry about that if you can't even remember when the last time you played. But hey, oh, don't tickle hey, me. Hey. Hey, 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 I need a kiss. Mm. Oh, give me a kiss, okay? Yeah, okay. We'll kiss. And don't comment. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Okay, that's enough. Okay, babes. <sighs> J-Lo. Yes? Do you have any other thoughts on this show? I I don't, but it really... It really... um really makes you think about your own life and your own success or maybe uh maybe some failures disappointments but it, it i mean and and it's also a cool um i don't know anything about chess it would be kind of fun to learn i wouldn't want to make a living off of it though no it's just too much in the past you have told me that for the most part you do not like watching scripted dramas. I don't, I'm not real. I mean, I don't watch a lot of dramas. It doesn't mean I don't like dramas, but I just, I don't. I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Since you started dating me. Yeah. Has this begun to change? Maybe. Yeah. It depends on the drama. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, it all depends. It all depends on. If I like it or not, I guess. Because yes. I don't, I don't watch too many dramas. But if it's good, it's good. 
gives you a lot to think about this. It show. does. It does give you a lot to think about. Yes. I'm very glad that you enjoyed it. I did. Yes. And that you were open-minded enough to watch it with me. Yes. You put down the flute long enough. I did. <laughs> to watch it with me. Of course, yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, you started like 10 years ago, but... Hey! <laughs> I'm just joking with you, the H.A. Wall. Bubs. Babes. I love you, the H.A. Wall. Bubs. Jeez. Alana? Yes. We had a fun time yesterday. Mm-hmm. Tell me about dinner. Oh, dinner was fabulous. Um... I got the rice ready. So we made this um, broccoli, cheese, rice dish, and we added some potatoes. Unfortunately, the potatoes that I had in a in the fridge went bad, so we couldn't use those. So you cut up a couple of potatoes. It turned out really good, too. I made the rice. Um, I started on the... Uh, when did we start making it? Like before four, right? I think a little bit after. Okay. So I start the rice in there. Um, we put some salt and some garlic in there and you cut up the potatoes, um, put some salt and rosemary on there. Um, I, uh, get the broccoli prepared to, uh, be put in the pan with the, um, the rest of the potatoes. Um, all that was good. Then we add the soups and the cheese on top. Wait, the cheese went on top the last thing, right? No, we did. Okay. I mixed it in. Okay. So good. So all that stuff, when the rice was done, that all went into my lasagna pan. We cooked it for about 35 minutes. It was nice and hot and mm, it was good. Very good casserole. Oh. Held up today too, babes. And we're going to make it again next week. Yes. And we're going to make some more tostadas. Yes. But this will not be like every week and we're just doing cash. No, we're not. We're not. We're, we're, we just wanted to um, do some more of that because I have like extra tostada shells that need to be used. Oh. And you thought that it would be really interesting to add uh, tomatoes in our casserole. Yeah. It's, it turned out really good too. And um, yeah, we were both pretty full. <laughs> it was good. It was very good. Let's talk about the movies that we watched last night. Oh, yes. We saw, excuse my moving, Big Night uh-huh. and Dirty Run Scoundrels. Yes. Do you want to talk about Big Night a little bit? A little bit. So um, the two characters, the two main characters in this um, movie were, uh, I don't know what their names are. One of, one of them is a chef. Prima, I think. Might be Prima, or Segundo is the um, is a manager, I think. Slash owner. They both Slash own owner. it. Yeah, they're brothers. So they're brothers. One brother's a chef, and one of them is the uh, the owner of the restaurant. Manager. Manager. Whatever. Manager. Are you are you telling the story, or I am? All I right, go ahead. Story? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, you can chime in at at, at sometimes. Um, so their restaurant is going downhill, especially when they serve this American couple, uh, what was supposed to be a seafood risotto. Um, I wouldn't say that's when it starts, but keep going. Well, that, that is when it starts, right? 
It's at the beginning of the movie, but the implication you have is this is a cascading event that uh, leads to the restaurant going down. Of course. That was the one. Yeah. I I wouldn't say that. I would just say that they show the scene to represent that. Right. That not a lot of people go to the restaurant and that the chef is temperamental. Yes. Keep going, babes. Um, the, and then in the midst of all that, this is, so the owner is the one with the, the girlfriend, right? Yes. The owner is the, the owner has this girlfriend. And They're both owners. Go ahead. What? Okay. Okay. He's whatever. Okay. Whatever. Okay, okay. All, right. all right. Go ahead. The one brother has a girlfriend <laughs> and she's kind of wondering when he's going to ask her to marry, marry, um, her. Ask her to marry him, excuse me. And she's just like, I don't, I don't want to do that until it's right for, for me and for you. And she's like, wait a minute. It's, it's financially, right? Because she already is thinking that there's something going on with the restaurant. Um, and so that's going on. Uh, I, there, there's, there's some, there's some other things that I'm going to skip over and you can chime in if you want to, but, uh, Actually, I'm going to let you chime in now, and then I'm going to continue on. Okay. There is another restaurant in town. We should say that the brothers come from Italy. Yes. And there's a successful Italian restaurant that's close to them. The manager slash owner is close to the owner of the successful restaurant. The other restaurant is owned by this older gentleman who kind of looks at the manager of the unsuccessful restaurant as maybe a son, right? Mm -hmm. So the manager of the first place comes over to the successful restaurant and the old owner says to him, you know, you guys really need some help. I'm uh, good friends with Louis Prima. The, mm-hmm. You you watched Jungle Book, that dude. Yeah, the, yeah, the singer. Yep. Although yeah. I think this was based like 10 years before that movie came out. And he says, yeah. Louis Prima is coming to town soon. I'm going to have him eat at your restaurant. And maybe we could get some publicity for you guys to help you stay in business. Yep. So now it's centered around making this a successful night for Mr. Prima and the restaurant at the same time. Mm-hmm. The temperamental chef is all into this until he finds out that the old owner was the one who got Louis Prima to consider coming to the restaurant. Then right. he becomes upset. Right, yeah. The His brother, the manager, has to explain to the chef that, look... This is it for us, bro. Yeah, yeah. If we don't succeed tonight, we're... We're pretty much going yeah, down. Yeah, we got a couple of weeks and then close. we're out of business. Yep. You, you should have made a better risotto for that white couple. <laughs> yeah. We find out that the manager is cheating on his girlfriend, Phyllis, like with... Gabriella. Gabriella, who Gabriella. is a waitress and girlfriend to the old owner. Yep, that's right. Yes. It's very bad. Go off. Does some stuff, Go right? Ahead. So they do some stuff. That Phyllis, of course, is uh, does not know this. They uh, there's so many things that go on in this movie, but let's let's go to the big night. They where get Louis ready Prima for is supposed to come. yeah. They get ready for the big night. They're all cooking a bunch of food and they're they're um, waiting intently. And then there's this uh, the the Carl the car salesman um, that. Uh, 
the chef was it the chef or the owner? The okay. owner meets when when the manager gets done cheating on Phyllis, he is supposed to go to pick up a few items. Yeah. While he's waiting, he runs into a car car salesman right. who ends up going to the big dinner. He goes to the big dinner and then this reporter's there too. And there's all these people and they're they're having a good time and they're drinking and they're eating a lot of food and they're I mean it's a lot of food that was made. Waiting for Louis Prima, waiting for Louis Prima, and it's like they wait until about It's like three in the morning. Three in the morning, yes. They everybody's fed, had a great time despite the fact that Mr. Prima did not come. They're they're getting ready to leave. The reporter goes home, people are still hanging out. Uh Gabriella and the manager end up kind of making out making out in the in the back there. Yeah. Um, Phyllis sees this, runs away. The manager runs after her. And then Gabriella tells the chef, who's played by Tony Saloub, that Louis Prima is not only not coming, but he was never going to come. He was never going to come, right? The old guy made this up. The old guy completely made it up, yes. We go to Gabriella on the beach with the manager, and there's a confrontation there. People follow them, including the brother chef. There's a little bit of a fight. Actually, no, though, Phyllis was on the beach, not Gabriella. She leaves. Did I say Gabriella? Yes, she did. Okay. Phyllis was on the beach. She throws water at the manager. Right. So to speed it along, though, there's a confrontation. Mm -hmm. The manager goes back to the restaurant, sees the old owner of the successful joint, Mm -hmm. has a conversation, and it basically comes out... That the older owner wanted to set them up, not because he hates them, but if they go out of business, then yeah. he could hire both of them. He could hire and both take of them, them under his wing. Under his wing, yeah. Goes to the next day. Everybody's upset. Yeah. The manager makes eggs for a busboy. The chef walks in. He makes eggs for him. Busboy leaves. The two of them are eating, and the chef puts his arm around the manager. The yeah. movie ends. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an interesting ending. What did you think of this movie overall? Um, it's not my favorite movie. In fact, I didn't even hear about it until you told me about it. But it was it was good. I'm surprised because this was a pretty big movie when I was coming up. Yeah, but I I didn't. I for some reason I never even heard about it. But it you also been... were not into independent films. No, I wasn't. I didn't watch. I watched more independent films when I was in my early twenties. But I didn't know a lot about that, this one. But it was it was good. Did you like it? I did. Would you recommend it to anybody? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Like family members or friends? Yes, I would. Okay. Yes, I would. Um It was it was an interesting ending. I just didn't think it was gonna end like that. What do you think of the relationship between the old owner and the manager? Well, in the beginning, I thought that the old owner played a pretty cruel trick on the on the the manager and the chef in you know getting them to make all this food for a, a guest that wasn't even going to come. Um, I don't know. Um, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure what I think about their relationship. What do you think? 
I don't think that he's necessarily a bad guy. I think that he misled them, but he thinks he's doing the right thing for everybody involved because right. he doesn't want them to go to the poorhouse or anything. Yeah. He wants them to come work with him, and he presumably wants to teach them a little bit more about life. Mm-hmm. So he likes these guys. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't want to be in competition with them, and he sees a way to get rid of them that way. But he's not trying to end their entire existence. He just wants them to work for him. Yes. In his restaurant. Now, we could have an argument whether about whether or not he went about it the correct way. Mm. But I don't think that his heart is necessarily in the wrong place. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, what do you think about Phyllis? You seem antsy, babes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm itchy. Okay. I'm not. That's the reason why I'm kind of antsy. I'm... Anyway. Um, Phyllis, hmm, that's a good question. Um, hmm, well, I want to know what you think first before I give my answer. I think that Phyllis is somebody who believes in this place and she sees potential in her boyfriend and she is ultimately let down mm-hmm. by what happens. Mm-hmm. It's representative to me of what happens when you believe in the wrong people in life. Right, right, right. I would agree with you on that. Um, I just feel really bad for her. I did because, you know, she believes in the success of her boyfriend. She wants this restaurant her you know she wants she wants this night to go well um for her boyfriend and his brother not knowing that her boyfriend is cheating on her with Gabriella I I I just felt really bad for her okay I think she was a genuinely nice girl but she got caught up with the wrong guy do you feel inspired to cook more after watching this film? I don't know if I feel inspired to cook after watching this film, but I I am enjoying cooking. (laughs) I don't know if that answers your question. This film wants, makes me want to spend more time in the kitchen. Really? Yes. Mm. And I've heard other people say that too. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it inspires me to cook more in the kitchen, but I'm definitely enjoying it for sure. What does Big Night say about being a temperamental artist? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you're, you're comparing it to art? Yeah, because we have the chef who is an incredible cook. Mm-hmm. For example, there's... A lady that he's very attractive to. And, yes. But he has issues talking with her. Mm-hmm. The brother kind of hooks him up by inviting Anne to the big dinner. He takes her to the kitchen, feeds her some stuff, and that in a way opens her heart. Mm. Everybody is impressed by his work. But if you remember earlier in the film, the brother says to him, Hey, you got to tone it down for tonight. Because right. we, you're great at what you do, but we can't have any of these little little antics anymore. This is big time. 
And we also see that he has issues with customers. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, oh, that's right. Because of the, um, and she says, you make what the customer wants. Yes. Yes. You make what the customer wants. You don't, you know, if you, if they want meatballs, you make meatballs. In reference to the lady who got the seafood risotto, <laughs> wanted spaghetti on the side, yeah. ordered it, realized that there were no meatballs and asked for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does this film say about temperamental artists? Mm. Um, like they're so caught up in what they do that they are not looking at what, I don't know how to, I don't know how to express that. Um, like as much as people enjoy their work, um, they're not getting what they want. Can I I chime in? Yeah. Good. It's an interesting metaphor for like the music business, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you could look at the chef like a successful musician, mm-hmm. and the brother is managing the restaurants with restaurant, so he is also in charge of the finances. Mm-hmm. How many times do you hear musicians say, "Oh, I should have focused on the finances a little bit more"? No, they don't. Right, <laughs> and we get the sense that if the chef had worried a little bit more about that end of the business, mm. then the restaurant might not be in as much trouble. Right. Because I remember when the manager saying, Hey, you know, we should take risotto off the menu because that's costing us a lot of money because of what the ingredients that we have to get. And the chef doesn't really. Yeah, and he's like, well, we always put risotto this. on. The, yeah, we always have risotto, you know. It's and and he's and he, he's not thinking about the money. He's also not thinking about the customers and what they want. And so no, you know, no wonder the business is going down. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's something to think about. Like as far as like musicians writing their own things, as opposed to somebody else. Um, auto-tuning their songs or whatever it is. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, It's good. It might make you want to cook some more stuff. And I I do like the ending of it. Yeah. I am interested in Googling dishes from Big Night Mm. to see what recipes I can find. Yeah, you should. Yes. You sound sound tired, babes. No, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. I'm not tired. I wasn't as tired as I was yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Very good. Well, let's talk about another film we watched. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels which is you very good. Never seen. I have never seen it, but it was very good. Do you want me to give the overview? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. It starts off. This lady is trying to give a pearl necklace to Michael Caine because she thinks he is a prince of a struggling country. She's like, "Oh, I'm giving you this to you for the soldiers," and he says. My men are much too proud for this. And she's like, well, what about for the women? And he responds with, oh, my women are just as equal to the men. They would never take something like this. And then she responds with, please, let me give this to you for the children. And he's like, well, for the children, I'll take this. (laughs) We see Michael Caine go into a casino and sit down next to this lady, Lady Fanny Eubanks from Omaha. <laughs> yes. 
He walks away. His assistant calls him your highness. Mm -hmm. She follows them. And the assistant says, basically, oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. You know, you really shouldn't talk to him. He's trying to hide his identity. I recommend that you go away now. He has a lot of enemies. She says that she can be trusted and basically hooks him up with some Mm -hmm. cash. We find out that he is a con artist who is just conning all these successful women. Mm-hmm. Couple scenes later, Michael Caine goes on to this train traveling around Europe, and Freddie, played by Steve Martin, mm-hmm. walks into the dining car area. Mm-hmm. Freddie sits down across from this lady. And he starts talking about how hungry he is, how yep. he really needs to eat. Yep. The waiter comes by. He orders a water. Waiter <laughs> leaves. And the lady's like, bro, I thought you were hungry. What's the deal? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. He explains that, ah, uh, you know, my grandmother's dying and she needs this money for this operation. Yeah, and I, and I can't, you know. <laughs> I'm really bad with money. Everything I make from Red Cross goes straight back into the organization. <laughs> And she basically says, waiter, get this man whatever he wants. Yeah. He orders a huge meal. Yep. A little while later, Steve Martin walks into Michael Caine's area of the train. Yep. And he starts bragging about how, you know, we're the weaker sex. And yeah. I'm taking advantage of all these women. I don't yeah, find like, any I've problem always, with it. You know, there's the, the, in the place that I live, there's all these old rich women or whatever mm-hmm. he said. Yeah. Michael Caine pretends to be a happily married man, and he finds out that uh, Freddie is coming to his town. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want him messing up his flow. Nope. So he excuses himself, says, oh, I got to kill my wife and kids. And yeah. Freddie's like, oh, they have you on a lease, don't they? He's like, oh, they do. <laughs> oh, they do. He gets this decoy woman to come on the train and convince Steve Martin to stay on. Leaves. Couple days later, he comes back. Michael Caine sees him scamming this lady out of some money. Mm-hmm. He is friends with the local sheriff. He gets the sheriff to take the lady around and follow Steve Martin and see that he's just like wasting her cash. Mm-hmm. She files charges. He gets thrown in prison. He only remembers the name of Michael Caine and just barely remembers that. Kane comes down to the station, talks to him, talks to the guard and says, listen, we're going to get you out, but you have to fly to the United States, get the money, send it here. It's $5,000. And if you (coughs) don't do this within 48 hours, your visa will be revoked and you'll never be allowed in Europe again. So Michael Kane takes Freddie to the airport. He gets on board the plane while he's boarding. Lady Fanny Eubanks from Omaha sees us. <laughs> yes. She walks by Steve Martin, gives him a look. He follows her and she says, are you working for the prince? I saw you with him. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're Lady Fanny Eubanks, Eubanks from, Omaha. from Omaha. Yeah. Flies back. Michael Caine is chilling out in his crib. Mm-hmm. Huge mansion. Yes, like huge. So, like something you'd see on MTV. Yeah, he's like, wow, this is really, really big. Steve Martin walks in. He's like, all I can say is wow. Wow. He tells Michael Caine that he wants a mentor. Mm-hmm. And Caine has a couple of choices. He can refuse Steve Martin. 
and let him blab to everybody mm-hmm. or go along with this. He si- decides to let him in. They run a few scams, and Steve Martin thinks he knows best. Mm-hmm. So eventually they make a bet. They say, we're going to pick a woman. Whoever can scam her first gets to say the other person has to leave town forever. Mm-hmm. Find this lady. They agree the amount is $50,000 that they have to get out of her. They go to the roulette table. They think that she is a soap queen. Mm-hmm. Go to play. Michael Caine is sitting down next to her when Steve Martin comes in in a Navy uniform and in a wheelchair. <laughs> he gets in between <laughs> them, makes a bet to lose. Mm-hmm. Then he goes off. She follows him. And he tells a story about how he doesn't have a physical issue. It's a psychological one. He saw his girlfriend dancing and having sex with somebody after a dance competition. (laughs) And there's only one person who can help. Mm -hmm. And that's Dr. Shoethausen. Yeah, Shoethausen. Shoethausen, whose fee is $50,000. yep. So they go back to her room and they write a letter he sends the girl out, Janet, to mail it. Janet Colgate, yep. And she hears somebody saying, Dr. Schultzhausen. And wouldn't you know, it's Michael Caine, whose assistant was listening in on the conversation and taking notes for him. Uh Uh-huh. He agrees to take Freddie on as a patient. A lot of crazy stuff happens. Michael Caine feels guilty about taking the money, when he finds out that she's not rich. She's not a soap queen. She's not a soap queen. She know. won a competition and had to sell off some stuff yeah. to get the money. Mm-hmm. So she tells Freddie, I'm not going to take her money. Freddie says, we need to come up with a new bet. I bet I can have sex with her. Michael we'll Kane, use her as a bet. Yes. And Michael Caine says, I'll bet you you don't have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Michael Caine is kidnapped by some soldiers Gets out of it because he is in the reserves. Uh-huh. And takes Steve Martin to see them. They glue his hand to a wall. Michael Caine goes up to Janet and says, you must leave now. Uh, she saw Freddie walk. She's, he says, the, the job is done. If you leave right now, I will waive my fee. Yeah. Takes her down. Plane station comes back. Thinks everything is good. Then he gets a call that she returned to the hotel. Uh-huh. Wait, am I getting the timer right? Yes, he returned to the hotel. She to the hotel. Yes, because he leaves, gets Freddie free, and then he returns to the hotel. Yeah. She returns to the hotel. Right. Freddie's there. And the implication is they had sex. She comes. She takes a shower. He, he goes in there and takes a shower. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Janet goes to. Michael Caine's house and says, he robbed me. I, I I was with him and then he just stole all my money. And I'm beginning to think he never needed it, that wheelchair. It is like all $50,000. Michael Caine offers to write her, um, to give her the money, mm-hmm. provided that she leaves immediately. They go to the airport. She gives him a bag and says, the money's in here. I can't take this. And runs on the plane. The plane leaves as Steve Martin gets there and says... I took a shower. When I came out, she was gone with all the money. And he says, why would she return the money? Michael Caine says this. He opens up the bag and sees that it says clothing and a note saying, hey, boys, I had a nice time. (laughs) 
So Steve Martin has to leave. Mm -hmm. But Michael Caine gives him a week to get his affairs in order. He's about to go. They're talking at the end of the movie. When who should show up? Janet. (laughs) With a group of tourists. And she says, this is our Australian uh, genius here. And he's going to help you guys out. And this is our other friend. He's mute. His name is Freddie. Why don't you guys go and look at this villa? She explains that she embezzled $3 million that year. But their 50000 was the most fun. And then they go to screw these people out of money. And the film ends. (laughs) Such a great film. It was funny. I watched this movie a lot as a kid and yeah. was shocked that you had never seen it. I don't know why I didn't see it, but I, I've heard about it. I just never saw it. It was really funny. What do you think Freddie and Michael Caine tell us about the difference between being an artist and being somebody who just like does something for fun, like <laughs> plays music. Like let's say the difference between being a successful musician versus somebody who just plays a trombone here and there. <laughs> um, that is a really good question. Um, would you say that Michael, before I answer that, would you say that Michael Caine is more of a, um, more of a successful con art- artist than um, Steve Martin's character? Steve Martin's character admits that in the movie. Yeah. He says that I want you to teach me. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay. Um because because Michael Caine has been able to get out of a lot of things in this movie, um including being kidnapped. Um And it just seemed like hmm. Well, let me I don't know how to answer this question. Bring this back to the Queen's Gambit for a all second. All right, all right. Let's say Benny instead of playing chess decided to devote his life to being a con man. Mm-hmm. And it's now 20 years later. To me, he would be more like Michael Caine than Steve Martin. Oh, of course. Right? Yes. And Steve Martin would be somebody who has a natural gift, but isn't an expert. Like he could, like he plays here and there, but doesn't. Yeah. Like he could set in on a session. Mm-hmm playing jamming live with the group, but he couldn't be depended to go on tour and actually run a band. Right. Michael Caine runs a band. He has a staff. Right. He researches women for the most part, besides mm-hmm. for Janet. He knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he is Duke Ellington and Freddie is a guy who gets him a closet and open the mic night. Yeah. <laughs> right. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. Absolutely. As somebody who grew up in a military household, mm-hmm. how do you feel about what Freddie does in this movie? It's, it's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's name, I, mean it, I know it's funny. I mean, I, I mean, if this really happened in real life, that would, that would completely... Um, Upset me, but this is just a fun movie, so I didn't really, you know, I didn't think it was that upsetting. But if it, if it really happened in real life, that would make me very angry. Because <laughs> what he did was what what how, how he's parading himself in a navy uniform. But it's just a movie, so I don't really take it to heart. What does Janet teach us 
about underestimating people. Oh, don't, uh, you know, looks can be very deceiving. I, I would imagine that she looked like an innocent young woman that would never, you know, scam anybody out of anything. I would, I would imagine, right? She was like the dams, you know, she was like the damsel that they wanted to have. Right. But looks can be deceiving. I would say. Would you agree? Yeah. In in some ways, she reminds me of myself. Really? Well, n- not so? conning millions of dollars okay. out of people. Or okay, okay. Almost sleeping with Steve Martin. <laughs> but there have been situations where I've been in. Mm-hmm. And the people around me, I'll give you an example instead of just keeping it this yeah. big. Okay. I went to this open mic once in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, this guy comes up to me and he starts telling me about his beautiful place that he has. And it's amazing. Yeah. And he's with this girl. Uh-huh. We're roughly around the same age in our early 20s. Uh-huh. And he says, oh, yeah, man, you should really come out sometime. Uh, so I say, okay, uh, give me your number. He looks at me and he says, uh, I don't want to upset you, but I don't want you to be somebody who calls me every day if I give you the number. I, you know, you might start to think too much of this relationship. I just don't want you to think that, um, you have the right to call me every day. Really? So I say to him, oh man, no worry. Don't worry about it. Uh, just don't give me the number. Good luck with your place. And I start to walk away. Yes. The guy immediately stops me and he's like, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, we could still hang out and everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, just don't do that. I'll give you my, my number. <laughs> I wrote it down. Yeah. Walked like three feet and threw his number in the trash. Wow. In that way, I feel like Janet because this guy just assumed that I, something about me, right? So in other words, um, he wasn't. It didn't seem like he wanted to ha- even have a friendship with you, right? Well, he assumed that I was going to be somebody who like needed him, and like like you were a needy life. person, right? Okay. And as soon as I flipped the script and was like, uh, "Don't no. even bother giving me the number yeah. and good luck luck with your life," yeah, he immediately switched to, uh, let me give you my number." Right, 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 right. You know. So you you were playing his own game, right? Ah, exactly. Very good. And there's been other instances in life to where stuff like that will happen. Um, and where I feel like people are underestimating me. Mm-hmm. And then I have the upper hand. Ah, but they don't realize it. Very good. There's another situation I'm thinking about, but I don't want to get into it right now. Okay. Um, so I see Janet as, in a way, the underdog. Even though we, at the end of the movie, we know she's a con she artist. She had the upper hand. Because nobody believes in her. But you can make the argument that's why she's a successful con artist. I would have to say I thought her I thought her character was... <laughs> I thought she was great. She was awesome. <laughs> I thought she was great. Oh, and, 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 that, and that note, when, when Steve Martin finds a note in his bag, I'm like, oh, yeah. they just got played. And then at the very, very end of the movie, where she mm. comes back to the state and cons out that um, music teacher for 30 years, that was awesome, too. Uh, she was a wife in Mr. Holland's opus. So. No, no, that's a different movie. Okay, that's no, a different I, I, movie. that's a joke, baby. <laughs> no, and she was good in Mr. Holland's opus. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. But she's better in this, I think. I don't know what her name is, though. I like her more in this film. 
You do. Yes. You like you like Janet Colgate better than Iris Holland. I like her performance better. Okay. Not necessarily the character. And it's not that she was bad in Mr. Holland's opus, but this is just a fun movie. Mm. I think. Okay. Yes. I see. Does Freddy ever get his life together? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. I think he's like, I think he, um, I think this is was, I'm, I w- I'm hoping that maybe this experience with Janet was the last con he ever did, but I don't know that he even learned his lesson. What do you think of the morality of Michael Caine in this mm. movie? That's a very good question. I don't know that he has, I don't know that he has a high standard of himself, but he's good at what he does. Really? I don't know. He talks to Freddy after he finds out that Janet, he thinks he discovers that she's actually poor. Right. Right. And he says, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. When I scam women, they are heavily vetted. So I, we know that they have money and they've done some shady stuff in the past. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So he won't just go after anybody like Freddie. He, he's not going to settle for just anybody. Yeah. Okay. And he gets a call from his friend saying that he saw Steve Martin and Janet in the room. They, they go into the room and they're in there for long enough for something to happen. And he says, I will wait here and accept defeat gracefully. Mm-hmm. He could have had Steve Martin arrested. Right. Because he knows people mm-hmm. in the government there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. Mm-mm. That's true. He could have. So do you think that he's moral or do you think well, that he just thinks he's moral? Maybe he thinks he's moral. But you don't think he is? I don't think so. Mm. Well, then why would he keep on doing that? Why would he keep on uh, conning uh, rich women out of their money? One can make the argument that everybody is a con artist in life. I'm not saying it's true, but... It kind of reminds me of uh, The Art of Seduction. That's a great book. You know, it is a great book, but I don't know that I agree with um, his thesis on it. Okay. Yeah. You would tell people to watch this movie? Yes, I think it's a fun movie. Yes. You don't really have to think a lot. (laughs) You watch it, but it's really good. Oh, good. It, it, it's really good, and I think Jan. I think the woman who played Janet made a um, did an excellent uh, performance in this one. Yes, yes, yes. yes. They underestimated her. Uh, made it her. Mm-hmm. They did. Yes, that was the wrong thing to do. Yes, because she had the upper hand. Oh, yes, J Lo. Yes. Next week we will be doing a Steve Martin theme. Oh, I am so excited! I am so excited to show you. Three Amigos and Parenthood. I am interested to see what you think of The Lonely Guy and House Sitter. Mm. Yes, especially, I I think that House Sitter and Dirty Rotten Scandrels have some similarities to them. Oh, really? But you'll have to wait to see what those are. So I'm guessing... Is it Steve Martin who watches Goldie Hawn's house? No. Okay. You'll have to wait and see, babes. Oh, all right. Yes, yes. You're not going to say it. No, Jewel. Okay. Yes. J-Lo. Yes? Did you have any dreams last night? I did not, but I slept very good. I know. I was out. We took this time-released melatonin. 
It's really good. And went to bed around 11.30. I was out immediately. I got up around 5.54. You were snoring and asleep. Hey, 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 hey. Nobody needs to know that. Okay. Thank you. What ifs? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Nobody needs to know that. Nobody needs to know that. All you need to know is that I was out and I woke up very refreshed. Around 8. Around 8. Yes. Very good, Jay. Well, nobody needs to know the rest of it. <laughs> okay, babes. Mm. Okay, babes. Settle down, there, Jay. Well, settle down. Is there anything else you want to say? Um. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I can't believe it's the third of January. Yeah. It's uh. It's been a crazy last year, but I'm looking forward to this year. What self love exercises do you plan to do over the next week or so? Um, well, let's see. Um, I'm planning to look up some, well, not only am I going to, to read more of my book because it's really getting good. 1984. Yes. Um, I also want to, um, look up some flute technique books, um, and download them as well. Um, um, Catch up on some sleep because I think my sleep is starting to come back now a little bit here. Um, what else? Um, I can't think of any more. I'd say those are a couple of things that I thought of. What about you? I am likely to reread The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Mm. Each year I reread that book. And I'm thinking, I haven't decided yet about possibly getting back into doing morning pages mm. from the Julia Cameron program, The Artist's Way. Oh, yeah. And I also forgot I was going to do, I'm going to um, start to think about uh, planning out another study. Oh, for J-Lo Loves Jesus. Okay. Yes, part three. For this month. Coming soon. Sometime this month. Yes, that'll be fun, babes. I'm glad you're enjoying Jay Lolo's Jesus. Well, of course. Yes. <laughs> what? Of course. Um, yeah. It'll be it'll be good. Yes. Um, so that's the thing. That's, that's a couple of the big things that I want to do this week. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right, babes. Unless you have anything else to say. Any final thoughts on The Queen's Gambit or any of the films? Um, I guess my other thought would be if you are interested in the game of chess um really study study it. i mean i want to learn how to play but i want to learn how to play for fun i don't want to do it as a limit living but um didn't you say that um one of your good friends has like a braille chess board or something i know a couple of people who do but a good friend of mine does and some people i casually know do and when you were learning the game of chess did somebody you you just learned from instructions right yes okay and um, you just kind of played a little here, a little there, and kind of picked it up? For about a year, I got pretty into chess. I would play it a few times a week. I wasn't Benny or... Or Beth, Beth. Or, or Harry. Right. But I played when I could for you, about a year. You played against people? Yes, I did. Really? I didn't win every game. Okay. And but I didn't play against, like, grandmasters either. I played against whoever I could. But you guys just played for fun? Yeah, there okay. was no money involved. Okay. But I'd like to get back into that with you. Uh, and you, 
Oh, into chess. Um, and you, you have you played speed chess? No. Okay, that no. sounds really hard. It does. It sounds like like very difficult. I'm not at that level. And the question I would ask is the 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 actress who played Beth Harmon, Anna Taylor Joy. Anna Taylor Joy. Um, I wonder if she spent like an entire year learning the game of chess, or if she knew how to play chess already. And she was just improving on her own craft. That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Because she was really good. She's awesome in that yeah, show. She She's very good. Does this make you want to watch more Netflix originals? Um, It all depends on the originals because some I would not watch. Sure, but... It does and it, not every original is good either. Does so. it improve your opinion of them? Um, Again, it depends on what the original is okay, about. Okay, okay. I mean, there are some documentaries I wouldn't watch. There was some doc. There was a documentary I tried to watch, but I couldn't watch all of it because it was just too heavy. Nice. I just couldn't. Oh. But um. But that's the good thing about streaming services. It has a little bit of everything for everybody. Yes. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to watch certain genre if you don't want to. Anything else, Shayla? You seem tired. You seem a little bit out of it. Um. No, I'm fine. Okay. I mean. Like I said, I'm not as tired as I was yesterday. Yes. I'm just, you know, it's just been, it was a, it, you know, because I did sleep really well. And sometimes you wake up after a long sleep and you're still tired. Mm. But I'm not, I'm not tired enough to want to go to sleep right now. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, babes, if there's anything else you want to say. Or no. No. Okay. Well, in that case... Goodbye. Have a good day. Watch The Queen's Gambit. Yes. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And Big Night is good, too. Yes. I would also recommend Three Amigos and Parenthood, which we will talk about next week. I cannot endorse those films at this time. But. We'll see. You may endorse them afterwards. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. All right. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye-bye for now.